You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you have come to the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in. Now, because this show is brand new, I'm running a competition where you could win a Keep Optimising podcast t-shirt. So stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out how to enter. In today's episode, I'm talking to Jeff Atkinson about dynamic rendering, because this month we're all about SEO. Now, whilst dynamic rendering is a pretty enterprise-level SEO tactic, it's something new that you really should be aware of. Plus, we get into some other SEO areas too, including page speed, structured data and more. We're just about to meet Jeff, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with SEO expert Jeff Atkinson. Jeff is an ex-retailer and the founder and CEO of Huckabye. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Chloe. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Now, how did you get involved in SEO? How did you make the move from being a retailer to being all about SEO? Well, I just found that the industry was lacking. Um, you know, I, from my experience at Overstock, SEO was a huge growth channel and the crux of sort of our new customer acquisition and all sorts of amazing things. And the industry of SEO, at least here in the States, it's an $85 billion industry with uh, a net promoter score of zero. So uh, it's just really struggling. You'd rather go to your you know, dentist than see your SEO agency. So it's a lot of agencies. It's a lot of consultants, but it's really a technical problem. And so the industry is just not addressing it correctly. And anytime you have an industry with a net promoter score of zero, it's ready for disruption. So uh, we're coming at this from a technical angle. And I actually didn't expect to be you know, full-time in SEO and owning an SEO company, but here we are and um, it's going quite well. So yeah, it's we tend to get very um, obsessed with keywords and link building, and then we miss out on that that other part of SEO, which is the bit which you're which you're focused on, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And um, and I get exactly what you mean. It's exactly the same in the UK. Um, I have regular chats of retailers about how do I justify my SEO budget. Yeah, people are just frustrated. You know that there's a disconnect between what it takes to actually drive SEO success and what an agency actually can provide. So they can do stuff like write content and link build and things like that. But when it comes to the big technical boxes that are sort of necessary for growth, they just can't address those. And a lot of times an SEO team, even internally, can't address those because they're big technical issues. And that creates this sort of competing you know, goals where one is trying to grow and the other one's trying to have more and more billable hours. <laughs> so they're just not aligned. And when that happens, you know, you're not going to have happy customers. 
So there's a lot, there's, there's various things you're doing at Huckabye to try and solve these problems. But one of the big ones, and it's the one I want to talk to you about today, because I'll be honest, guys listening, I know next to nothing about this, this thing we're going to be talking about today. So hopefully I'm going to ask all the questions you guys want to know. But it's something you call dynamic rendering, which as I understand it at the moment, is that we've got used to optimizing our desktop site, we've got used to optimizing our mobile site, but for SEO success, we should be worrying about a third site, which is our dynamic rendering site. Have I understood at all there? <laughs> you have. You're along the right lines. It's actually not a completely different site. Um, if you think about the desktop and the mobile and the dynamic rendering version, they all contain the same content. Um, they're just sort of presented in different ways. But yes, you can actually give Google now a separate version. And for me, you know, this is this is the biggest change they've made arguably in the last five to 10 years. Um, you know, we've always heard that you have to optimize for the user and it's the, whatever the user experience is, is what Google wants to experience. And now they've thrown that out the window. Because it, it used to be like a hugely black hat tactic to hide things on your website for Google's benefit and it not to be part of the user experience was like, well, you can't do that. Google will notice and they'll kick you off the search engine. So it's completely 360 now. It is. I mean, a lot of it still, you can't trick them. So you can't, for example, stuff a bunch of keywords in the footer of your dynamic rendered version. All the content and the products and all that has to be the same. But this came about really because of JavaScript. So JavaScript is like Google's nemesis. Um, almost every web page on the internet now has JavaScript on it. And as soon as Google runs into JavaScript, they can't crawl it with their normal HTML bots. They have to put it into what they call a rendering queue that can take two to four weeks, takes like 10 times the processing time for them to crawl a page with JavaScript on it. So if you think about how much that just costs them, if all of a sudden their cost to understand a page goes 10x, um, it became a really difficult problem for them. And so they essentially came out and said, well, let's introduce dynamic rendering. Let's, let's allow sites to give us a version that's just simpler. It's a lot kind of like AMP. You just have a sort of dumbed down version. Get rid of the JavaScript, make it flat HTML, you can make it faster. You can get rid of stuff like chat boxes and things like that that they're not interested in and just give them a simpler version. And so that's, you know, that's what we're, we've really... It's only been a year and I'm amazed how many, you know, really smart SEO people actually, they've probably heard of it, but not a lot of companies are doing it yet because it is a big technical challenge, but it is a huge opportunity. Yeah. And it strikes me, you said about the cost to Google in terms of processing time, but also the cost to Google in terms of looking after their own customers, the searchers, because if, if it takes two to four weeks to get a site through the rendering in order for them to be able to read it, that they're not giving the latest results back to people because they don't know they exist because they're not in the index. So hugely costly to Google. I, I, I So it makes complete sense why they've taken this step. So how difficult is it to create a dynamically rendered site? Because you mentioned AMP there, and that's obviously a very simple site format. And you know we've now got plugins we can download and chuck into websites that just almost do it automatically. Is it that simple with dynamic rendering or is it a complicated process? It's a pretty complicated process. So oh, damn it. You have, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty complicated technical process. You, you know, you essentially have to convert content that's being generated by JavaScript into flat HTML versions. 
and then you have to store it somewhere. Um, and you know, ideally it's fast and it's easy for them to crawl. Ideally it contains structured data. I haven't seen many, like literally just a handful of companies I've seen do it internally. Um, there are a few products, well, Huckabye being one of them and a few others that can actually do this for you in a, in a relatively painless way. And the, the complexity comes because our sites are so just full of JavaScript these days. So it's not just a same solution for every website. There's a lot of customization that goes along the way. Yeah. So if you think about like, say your reviews are powered by JavaScript, say you use Bizarre Voice, how are you going to get all those reviews and now transport them and build another version of the site that has all the other functionality and features? It just doesn't really get done, especially if you look at like any CMOs, uh, sort of prioritization of dev tasks. When are you going to actually take six months to to build a version of the site just for Google? You know, it just doesn't get prioritized very often, nor is it even on people's radar yet. So we don't see it happen internally very often at all. Um, it's it's a much easier thing to do if you do, you know, use a technology provider. Yeah, I think it, it would end up at the bottom of the or kind of like just below the tasks that get agreed to be built by the dev team. And every month you go back in and reassess, go, can we do, no, no, we've got a payment provider to put in, or we've got a new product page to build, or we've got a new integration with something. And it's like, oh, can we do it this month? No. <laughs> so, so yeah, anything which can speed that up. And, and presumably there's quite a lot of... Um, you know, this isn't a piece of expertise that people need in-house because once it's built, it's built? Um, it's ongoing. You know, you, you basically, the way that we do it is we, we actually render a version. So if you think about when Google does that rendering process with JavaScript, they're actually doing exactly what we're doing, which is, but we're willing, you know, they only spend 10 seconds, three to 10 seconds on a page. We'll spend a minute if we have to. So we're actually kind of, if you think about it, we're actually doing Google's work for them and then queuing up this version. Could you not say that the whole of SEO is about doing Google's work for them? Because <laughs> we're trying to give them the best possible information to enable them to give the best results. So I suppose it's, a, it's in some ways, it's the natural next step in SEO. I think so. I mean, I, I think that's what SEO is, is doing Google's job for them. Um, Others may disagree, but yeah, I do think it's it's a it's a big next step in SEO, in my opinion. I mean, it's you know, just hearing it the, for the first time, I, I was like, "What is this? This is this is not real." And then you go on their site and you read about it, and sure enough, they're pushing this. They want this. It makes their life much much easier. Well, yeah, I would be pushing it if I was Google too. But I have to say, I think they're doing a bad job about it. If you know, chatting to you is pretty much the first I've heard of it, and I'd be willing to bet that the majority of the listeners are going, "Really." Why has no one told me about that? So if we're, if we're building this separate dynamically rendered site for Google, how much can we expect it to impact on our, on our performance in the search engines? Depends on how difficult it is for Google to crawl your site today. So some sites are actually relatively light on JavaScript. And so this isn't a big problem for them. For other sites, you know, we've seen sites, big enterprise sites, they'll have a hundred different JavaScript tags on one page, making it almost like impossible. Um, so for sites, and, and the, the other piece about this is a lot of companies don't know that this is an issue for them. You know, they just add the chat box and they don't think about why that might cause problems. So they might actually have big 
problems where it's taking new con they're huge content strategies that are taking two to four weeks to get indexed um, or they're just not getting indexed at all. So it depends on the, the tech stack and how, how bad the situation is for sites that it's a you know bad situation, you know, they can grow through the roof. It's you know, triple digit sort of really, really quickly. Um, but most sites like our average customer on this product grows 62% in 12 months. So that'll kind of give you an average on how, how people perform. It's really high. I mean, that's, those are pretty big numbers. That's not bad going, 62% growth over 12 months on the SEO front. I think anyone would be up for that. And it occurs to me when you're saying about that, the sites which don't have much JavaScript probably don't have much JavaScript because the SEO guy keeps winning the argument against the UX guys in the marketing teams. <laughs> exactly so in many right. ways, yeah, this is the point at which everyone gets to be happy. Or you work at Wikipedia. Wikipedia is like the perfect SEO site. We, we couldn't really help them. Yeah, but, but it's, it strikes me that, that a dynamically rendered site is the solution to the bashing of heads between the UX team and the SEO team. Because it's like, finally, you know, it's almost like the UX guy who should be bringing this to going SEO and going, please, can we do this? Because then I can get on with making the site work and you can get on with the SEO and we don't have to keep arguing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that happens a lot in businesses. You're absolutely right. In fact, we kind of pitch it like that. Now you can do whatever you want on the front end and you'll still have this great version for Google to crawl. Don't have to think about that anymore. It's, it seems a bit, a bit of a no-brainer. Is there? Um, do we have to have a separate dynamically rendered site for desktop and for mobile? You know, because Google will judge us on our mobile site and judge us on our desktop site. Does this throw that out the window? Um, we actually do two versions, but you can just do mobile. You can't just do desktop, but you can just do mobile. They'll get as much information as they need. They're really just, when you do this, um, they basically can now come crawl and basically just download your entire site really, really quickly. And that's, that's the goal of it, is to just give queue up for them the HTML, let them just download it. And you know, just doing the mobile version, we believe still works. We just provide both so that we get you know, good scores and page speed scores and things like that. And presumably, once you've done the work for one of them, it's not a huge amount more to... When you've done the work for the mobile, it's not a huge amount more to expand it up to the desktop. That's presumably. right. Yeah. <laughs> so so wh why not bother with the <laughs> with doing both if it's going to give you that extra little edge? And Jeff, is there a question I should have asked you about dynamic rendering that I haven't? Well, one interesting thing about... You know, I get asked... So page speed is a very big factor. And... Uh, we're actually working on a product for PageSpeed because it is, it's another very difficult technical problem to solve. There's no sort of one solution yet that, that just gives you great page speed. Um, so we get asked, you know, with the dynamic rendering version, our, our product's called SEO Cloud. Does that, and it's super fast. So it's, uh, it's cached at Edge using Cloudflare. It takes page speed from like five seconds down to like 300 milliseconds. So it's really, really fast. And so people want to know, well, does that actually impact my score for my Google page speed score, my Lighthouse score? And we think actually the answer is no. The way that they actually track it is because everybody has Chrome browsers is the way that they actually track how fast your site is. So you do have to make page speed improvements. This is why we're building another product that actually will enhance the user page speed. Um, but that's really the factor, which is interesting, right? So if you don't uncheck that box to, when you first download Chrome to not send data to Google, 
um, you're sending every time you use a site, they're actually within the browser sending information back to Google on how fast your site is. And that's, that's how Lighthouse works. And that's how PageSpeed impacts the algorithm is actually through those actual users interacting with web websites and then information being sent back to Google across the world. <clears throat> so that's actually, that, it's, a big, it's a big algorithm factor and, and people always are like, well, does this just solve that problem? Um, no, it doesn't right now, <laughs> but we are building a version that will will solve that problem. That it's kind of an interesting thing on how do they actually take PageSpeed into account, and that's how they do it. I was I was when you first started saying about that, I was like, gosh, really? And then as you were explaining, I was like, well, actually, given it's a metric that they've added in about user experience, it would be completely insane for them to take the speed of your dynamically rendered site, given a customer a user should never, ever see the dynamically rendered site. So it would completely flaw their their um, algorithm. So I was so then I, then I was kind of thinking, well, maybe they send like a bot. But, but yeah, tracking actual users' experience would make a huge amount more sense given the data that they've got. But it's also slightly, wow, at the same time. Their biggest new algorithm change, so they're making a huge algorithm change right now. It's called the page experience algorithm update. It's not a huge impact so far, but in 20, they're basically saying in 2021, this is going to be, you know, it'll be all about what the page experience is like with the user. You know, where are they clicking? How fast is the page load? How much are they interacting? How much are they reading? All those user statistics that they now have because of everybody's using Chrome are going to be a major, they already are a major factor if you think about the page speed and all those things, but it's going to become an even bigger factor in 2021. Uh, Neil Patel actually just put out a big post yesterday about the Google uh, Page Experience algorithm update, and it's it's a big one. And yeah, that's how they're that's how they're tracking it. So I know it's sort of a mind bending thing, but you know, behind the scenes, Google's quite smart. There's a reason why they give away Chrome for free to everybody. Oh yeah, they're certainly not stupid over there, are they? Um, and those of you who are listening, we will put a link to that Neil Patel blog in the show notes for you, so you can uh, you can grab a link and go and go and binge on that. Possibly whilst you listen to the rest of this episode, if you want to. Um, although reading reading one blog whilst listening to a podcast probably doesn't work, so maybe hold off till you finish listening to us. Um, so the question I was going to ask you next was that. It's interesting with that algorithm update that they've called it the page experience, not the website experience, which I think is a, is a big marker as well about the fact that it, it, we need to be thinking about how each of our pages performs, which I think with, with bounce rate analysis, people are starting to, but it, it strikes me, therefore, we're going to be thinking a lot more about individual pages on our site rather than the overall site performance, which I think can only be a good thing. Yeah, you know. There's this, I know I'm kind of getting into some macro trends here. I hope you don't mind. But there's this trend that has happened over the last couple of years. And it's a trend towards immediacy. So immediacy matters more now than brand loyalty to a, to a user, which is crazy. 50% of searches are now zero click, meaning you just get the answer. You don't care. You know, in the old days when you'd search, say, for a sports score, and you trust Yahoo Sports over ESPN, so you'd click through Yahoo Sports. Now you just get the answer, and you don't even really know where it's coming from. So there's this that that's sort of in my mind the difference between yeah overall website scores and page scores. Pages give answers. Pages give immediate you know immediacy. So that's why yeah it's all about the page. Um, it's all about structured data so that you can give them that 
that enhancement and be able to have them just give you that, give the answer. Um, that's kind of where it's going. It's actually already gotten there, which is crazy, but yeah, 50% of, of searches are now zero click and it's just trending that way, especially with more and more voice, voice search coming. Um, that's just happening. Cool. We're going to talk a little bit more about that wider macro world of SEO in a moment. But before we do, there's one term you mentioned earlier, which I know some of our, our listeners will be going, what on earth is that? Um, you mentioned structured data needing to be a part of the dynamically rendered site. And I know a lot more about structured data than I do about dynamic rendering because it's been around for quite a lot longer. But I know a lot of businesses still have no idea what it is. And it, it is one of those cool things that you can put it, you really can just put it in place once and it, and it works. So could you just give us the, the quick 101 on, uh, on structured data, please, Jeff? Sure. So structured data is a language that was invented over 10 years ago now. And it's an authoritative language that allows a website to directly and authoritatively talk to a search engine. So instead of them, there's structured data for almost anything that's visible on a page. You can have structured data about a product is the most used structured data on the internet. And instead of them having to come and crawl the HTML and try to figure out what it is, you can say, this is the product, here's the name, the price, the description, the UPC. And so they just authoritatively get it. You can do it with a sports score or a recipe, so it does sort of two things. One is it helps them understand. So the more structured data you have, the more they're gonna understand about the site, the more keywords you're gonna rank for, the more traffic you're gonna get, it just has performance benefits. And then they use it as well. So now, instead of when you search, you know, used to search, you come back with 10 blue links. Now you come back with the sports score or a recipe just showing up or product reviews. All of those are powered by, they're called rich enhancements and rich enhancements are powered by structured data. So. When you see a, a search results page now that's much more enhanced than it used to be, that's all being powered by this language. So a huge factor in their algorithm now. Um, it's really a best practice no matter what is to have really good structured data. E-commerce, most e-commerce platforms are going to have some sort of structured data already in there, but it's a good thing to check. And um, yeah, we, this was our first you know, launching point for HuckBuy was the importance of structured data. So we built an automated solution. But it's um it's 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 very important and it just continues to be so. It's sort of like a macro trend like mobile. It's just getting more and more important as time goes on. Nicely explained. Thank you, Jeff. Right. We are going to uh, pause for a reminder of our sponsors and then we'll be getting into the wider world of SEO. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Jeff, so far we've gone deep into dynamic rendering and a couple of other topics along the way. And now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of SEO. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which of course does include dynamic rendering and everything we've spoken about so far. So Jeff, you ready for these? I'm ready. 
Cool. Okay. Let's start with SEO newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with SEO, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? First step is, I'll give you two steps. I'm sorry, I'll give you two steps. First step is keyword research. Go into Google Keyword Planner or Moz and start entering in keywords and try to figure out you know, what your customer is searching for. And then the second step is to have your navigation, the top navigation, align with those keywords. So make the site descriptive based on what people search for instead of what you want to call things internally. Just that step of figuring out what people search for when it comes to your product and services, and then making your navigation reflect that demand, you will be off and running. That's a big, big first couple steps. I love it. And I have a feeling there's a few people who are going, hmm, not con- who've done a lot of SDO, who are going, hmm, not convinced our navbar <laughs> replicates that <laughs> as a to-do list do for me. But um, for the rest of those who've started, uh, of course, they've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve SEO performance? For me, it's the technical stuff because that scales across the whole site. You know, if you improve your page speed or you improve your structured data, it just scales across every single page. So I think the most sort of scalable and this is the same thing at Overstock, was the technical stuff. You know, we know we have to write content. We know we have to optimize for the user. But if you think about optimizing for Google, who's arguably your most important visitor in any given day, let's give them the sort of user experience they want, and you'll get really good, good results from that. So invest in technology. That's, you know, I'm a marketer that loves to invest in technology. It's always the highest ROI in my career. Excellent. Now, it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance, but the list of stuff we could monitor is is always overwhelming. So what for you is the number one SEO KPI? Revenue. No questions asked. There's only one thing that really matters unless you're, uh, you know, well, even publishing sites care about revenue. But if you're software, you know, how many leads are, I'm always amazed that we talk to so many customers and, and potential customers how many websites don't know the revenue per visitor for their SEO channel? It's pretty easy in e-commerce, but some of these other segments. So revenue is the is the metric that that pays the bills, keeps the lights on, um, makes you grow or shrink. So that's that's the metric that I care about. Oh, I could not agree with you more. Too many people get hung up on other bits in SEO, but if the money's not there, especially in e-commerce, what is the point? Yep. Okay, Jeff, the last question. Um, Crystal ball time. What is coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in SEO? Voice search. So voice search, I think, is a lot like mobile used to be. Um, I'm going to sort of date myself here, but there was a time when we had trios and palm pilots and mobile just didn't really work. It was like, that's how I think about voice right now. It kind of works, but the user experience isn't better than getting on your desktop or your mobile phone. So well, there was a time when mobile was just, you know, you'd hunt and peck with the stylus and it'd take, you know, two minutes to load a web page. And then the iPhone came out and then the speed started to pick up and then websites started getting optimized for mobile. And now you can do almost anything you want. So it flipped from like 90% desktop, 10% mobile. And like a one year period that just went the opposite way, 90% mobile, 10% desktop. I think the same thing's going to happen to voice search. So voice search, the experience just isn't quite there yet. If I want to buy a product using voice search and I'm not using Amazon, 
it's kind of challenging to make sure that you're getting the best price and the best reviews and all that. Now, Amazon, that's a different story. But voice search is getting really important. And it's interesting as well in that there's actually three players that are major players. It's not just Google. So you have Google, you have Apple with Siri, and then you have Alexa. And Alexa has Amazon behind it with its entire e-commerce site. So it's actually a bit of a level playing field for them. And it's going to be really interesting to see who wins it. I'd say actually Alexa is winning the game right now. Amazon's winning the game. But voice search is going to get to the point, especially if, I don't know if you're around you know, young people, they're way more comfortable with it than I am. Like my nephew uses voice search all the time and I'm super impressed by it. So as those kids get older, it's just going to be a really important factor. So thinking about optimizing for voice search uh, is critical. And it's actually, it is powered by structured data in most cases. Um, Alexa is a little bit different, but you definitely have to be thinking about how do I improve my presence when people start to search by voice search. That's awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Um, we are nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Sure. The best way is just huckabuy.com. It's H-U-C-K-A-B-U-Y, like buy a product. If you fill out a contact us form, we'd love to give your listeners 20% off anything at Huckabuy. So that's the best way. And then LinkedIn um, is the easiest way. LinkedIn and Twitter are the easiest way to uh, get in touch with me personally. And it's just Jeff with a G, G-E-O-F-F. Simple as that. I thought you were going to claim to be just Jeff on the web there. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> impressive. Jeff Atkinson with a G and two Fs. So um, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast and for being so generous sharing your SEO expertise with us. I think all our to-do lists have grown immeasurably whilst listening to you, which is the point uh, to some extent. So, uh, so thank you very much. Thank you, Chloe. That was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, some complex cutting edge SEO for you there. You can get links to everything we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. Remember, that's with an S, not a Z. And as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our SEO specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. That's your chance to get your questions answered. So get yourself registered for the webinar by going to keepoptimizing.com where you will find out all the details. And if you're listening after the webinar happened, then don't worry, you can still catch the replay. Just head to keepoptimizing.com. So thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, then make sure you check out episode number six with Luke Carthy, where we go into the wider world of technical SEO. And finally, I would love your help to spread the word about the Keep Optimizing podcast, which is why we are running our launch competition. So how do you win one of our Keep Optimizing podcast t-shirts? Well, we're going to be giving away a t-shirt every week in August to someone who's posted what they think of the show on social media. You get one entry by sharing on Twitter or Instagram what you think and including the hashtag Keep Optimizing. Or you can get three whole entries by finding us on Apple Podcasts, then subscribing, rating and reviewing screen grab your review and share it on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag keep optimizing. Do all that and you'll get three entries. Now we're gathering all the entries up and we'll be picking one winner every Wednesday until the 2nd of September. So you can find all the details about that at keepoptimizing.com. Have a great week, all of you, and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. 
Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.